broadcasting to you from the Badlands of Texas. I am your host, Gerald Schmimmins. You are listening or you're watching Midnight Radio. Hello, Fruit Loops. How are you doing tonight? I hope you're feeling fan-damn-tastic because I've got a lot of stories, news stories, cases to go over with you tonight. They're very disturbing, so warning, warning, warning. Let me tell you a little bit about the show for those of you that are new and haven't been watching it very much before. My name is Jerry Adams. I'm a writer. I'm a horror writer, actually. That's primarily what I focus on, but I also write articles. What I do every single day, even if you don't see me on here, is I go through all the news articles, and I'm horrified by the things I see. Sometimes they give me ideas of things to write. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes I'm just shocked at the cruelty of man. So I decided one day, let me share this feeling with everybody else, and Midnight Radio was born. So again... I say welcome. Some of the things we're going to go over tonight, some of the top stories, everybody likes to know about the Idaho 4. I have some new information about it that we haven't talked about before. And also about the Jesse McFadden case in Oklahoma City and some of the other news stories in the night. I'm even going to talk to you and tell you about some of the videos I have coming up with this. Any of you recognize this? Any of you know what this is? It's a flipper zero. I'll talk about that a little bit here on this edition of Midnight Radio. All right, let's get started here. First of all, have you seen the new video from your girl? Let me get it straight here. From your girl, Banfield, uh, Steve Gonsalves, the father of Kayla Gonsalves, recently was on there. And I'm going to go over that first. I do it big screen. All right, here we go. Steve, thank you so much at this time for for joining me tonight. I know that this has been just a hell of a day, not just for you, but you know, twenty five family members with you. Um, can you give me your reaction to what you saw transpire just feet away from you in that courtroom today? It felt good to get some progress. Um, we've been delayed as long as they could possibly delay us. Um, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready for this to go on and lay out the case and let the community see what the evidence is. And then, you know, let, let the cards fly where they're going to go. You know, there's been a lot of, uh, weird processes, things that were done in a way that were there to, uh, help everybody and help the witnesses, the surviving witnesses. But, um, I'm just ready for the just the normal court process and normal justice and just get back to what, you know, we kind of learned in school. And that that's what I want to see. I want to see just lay it out, transparency. Everybody gets to see what, you know, their evidence is, what our evidence is. And then we let we let the uh, jury members uh, decide what, what what's going to be real. Steve, it's been almost five months since um, the defendant walked into that same courtroom, almost looking the same, sat in the same seat beside the same lawyer, and you were there. Um, did it feel any different? Does, are things falling into place more differently now as you lay your eyes upon him today, uh, knowing how much more you know now than you knew back then? Well, I know he wants to be an active uh, parti participant in the process, so that kind of changes it for me. Before, he was just uh, somebody that was dragged into a court that was probably surprised to be there. 
now he's an active per- t- participant. And um, to me, it's it, it, it's I'm in a competitive person. So I'm like, all right, it's on, it's on, it's, it's, uh, it's us versus them. And, um, we're going to lay this, we're going to lay this evidence out and we're going to go from there. How was Christy, um, today and Olivia and Olivia brought, um, Kaylee's baby niece with her. How did they do today? How did they get through it? The girls struggle. The girls have a harder time with it. And, um, you know, it takes weeks for us to just like, talk it through and like, you know, maybe watch a couple movies, do a couple different things, like some bad, you know, family gatherings. The girls are very much, you know, I don't let this guy mess with my emotions, but the girls, that's just the way it is, you know, and I, I don't fight it. I just understand that they have a different way of processing pain and uh, this anguish. So then we just work together and um, support them. And, um, you know, it's just one day at a time, and it, some days are t- tougher than others, right? I mean, that's, that's just the reality of it. I think it's odd that his lawyer's face has to be here. I mean, couldn't he be on his ear or something like that or on the phone looking? I don't understand why he has to be the third person on the interview. Makes sense. Um, you know, there are 60 days from now for that. in which the state has to make its intentions known if they're going to seek the death penalty. Um, I know the state hasn't shared a lot with you, and Shannon has been very upfront about the fact this has been very difficult working within this gag order. But have the victims' advocates within the state at least shared with you that this is an intention of theirs uh, to seek the, the death penalty in this case? We're working with uh, members of the government I- in Idaho. We're trying to establish that uh, you just can't hunt our babies. You just can't come to our state and hurt our people. It's just, it's unacceptable. We, we're a small state, but you're going to see how strong we are and how big we are when you mess with us. And uh, we're going to put our foot down and we're going to show the world, you know what? We hate, we hate all the bad things that are happening, but here in Idaho, we can control one thing and you just can't hunt our babies down. You just, that's just too much. It's just too much. We can't sit here and say, oh, I th- there was five victims or six victims or seven victims. Then, then, then you go for the death penalty. No, it, it, it's been crossed. The line's been crossed and we're gonna go there. Do you feel as though the state has conferred with you appropriately on your wishes for a death penalty? And do you feel like that is a direction they might be going? I'm just one family. Already answered. And uh, they've made that very clear. You know, what, what, what you want, Steve, is just what you want. I'm trying to organize different families so we have one united voice. But that's not easy. Um, but that's what we're working towards. And um, I know there's other families that feel like I do, but uh, we don't want to get we don't want to get too washed up in the revenge factor. We want to remember these girls. We want to remember Ethan, and we want to make sure that when this is all said and done, that's the only the only people you think of. We want you know we want this other the defendant to just disappear, and all we remember is the beautiful lives that these people had, and. Um, then that's the best that we can do. All this media, all the stuff we're doing is so what we remember the victims and we forget who did this crime, which is very uncommon. Normally we just talk about the person who does this crime. We'd like to turn that on its head, forget about him 
and just remember these these beautiful people these beautiful young souls thank you for oh hello ashley uh let me take it right here real quick hey guys this is us on rumble we're now on rumble i don't know if you can see it maybe blow it up we got one follower right now i can't go live on rumble till we have at least five there's 32 people watching right now i'm not planning on going to rumble and leaving youtube i'm gonna do both congruent congruously at the same time i've got some information that youtube is gonna get into a whole lot of Let's see, what month are we in now? Uh, let's see, we're in six months, seven months. YouTube's going to get in a whole lot of trouble. So I'm getting ready for that and going to uh, Rumble. I'm, <laughs> I go through issues with YouTube every day. I'm not going to get into them, but yeah, let's go over that. So they're talking a lot lately about something that happened on the Dateline special, one of the things we're talking about, and I was asking myself, is this actually true? Is this actually true, where they're talking about his sister, one of his sisters told another family member that they suspected Brian Kohlberger of doing the murders at the time, all right? And we'll go over that story, but if you remember correctly, and I got a subpoena, but if you remember correctly, just a few months ago, they were talking about how his sisters were supportive and had no idea. Melissa and Amanda Kohlberger, this is March 29th, 2023. They're fired from their jobs despite refusing to meet with Idaho University killer in jail. The sisters have been fired from their jobs despite the family refusing to visit the alleged killer in jail. They were fired. Okay, how many times you got to repeat the same damn thing? Jesus. The outlet reported that Amanda, who's an actor, who was an actor one time in one movie, she's not anymore. God, don't you guys look at who the hell? International Business Times. I never heard of that. Anyway, it was reported, and I saw it in more legitimate newspapers, that Amanda and Melissa, they both lost their job the day after Kohlberger was arrested. I heard that over and over again. And that the family was in very bad financial shape. This is Amanda Kohlberger, his sister from Twitter. And we got pictures of her. She was actually with the prosecution at the house. And this story came from News Nation. She was working in, uh, no, no, no. come on now. And, of course, she, she was an actor in the movie, which was horrible. Two days back, which her character was brutally murdered. It was a, man, not even a B, but like a C movie. It says, neither sister nor their parents at the time of this publishing have traveled to see Koberger, who's behind bars in Idaho. This is from March 29th. None of them met him since their arrest. I doubt they were allowed to. Also, they've never spoken on the phone. According to fellow prisoners, the alleged murderer allegedly watches news reports about himself throughout the day. Some of the things from this story are completely different than what Dateline has been reporting. This is when he was still. Family announced in a statement in January that they would support him, adding, we love and support our son and brother. Said months later, and they're still dealing with a range of issues related to the arrest. 
course, that movie was uh, from a low-budget 2011 horror movie. All right. So this is some of the things we've heard about the family in the past. Let me move on to some of the things we're hearing right now. These crazy things. Crazy things. Brian Kohlberger's sister searched his car for evidence before police swooped in. How do we know this? What's our source? I can't tell you. But they told NBC's Dateline that the accused family, his family searched his white Elantra for possible evidence. They didn't find any, and it smelled like bleach. Brian Kohlberger's sister feared that her brother was involved in the stabbings of four University of Idaho students before police swooped in on their parents' home and arrested him for murder, according to a bombshell report. According to a report, not according to the evidence, not according to a source that we can say. Although I do have something from Ashley coming. Actually, let's see. No, it wasn't Kohlberger. Anyway, so they, the, the sources say that one of the accused killer's older siblings grew increasingly suspicious of her brother and his behavior when the family gathered to spend the holidays together. Ladies and gentlemen, I have also heard from illegitimate, no doubt, sources that his family tipped the police off. According to what we heard, uh, somebody called in a report about his Elantra, and it's like on the bottom of the damn list. But that's what we've already gotten. Several members searched his white Elantra for possible evidence. Madison Mogan, Kayla Consalva, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin were found brutally stabbed. Yes. They didn't know who it was for more than six weeks. He was a criminology student. They regurgitate a lot of stuff. Now, but during this time at home, his family members noticed that he was behaving somewhat, somewhat bizarrely, even bizarrely for him. The source said that Mr. Kohlberger was constantly wearing latex gloves, including inside their home. One of his two sisters began to wonder if she, if he could have played a part in the murders. And at one point, she raised her concerns with her other family members. What source does this come from? Nobody's saying. She loudly pointed out that at the time of the murders, her brother was living just a few miles from the crime scene and that he drove a white Hyundai Elantra. The making color vehicle at the center of the investigation, along with his bizarre tendency to wear latex gloves all the time. Wait a second. Are, did he just start this or did he always wear latex gloves all the time? She believed that the family should consider that Mr. Kohlberger might have killed the four victims what the source said that can't be verified. Mr. Kohlberger's father allegedly defended his son and insisted he could not have been involved. But the concerns, concerns were clearly big enough for several of the family members to reportedly decide the, to search his car for possible evidence. By that point, police said Mr. Kohlberger had already been spotted cleaning his car out with bleach, and so the family members didn't find anything of note. It is not clear if Mr. Kohlberger was aware of his family member's suspicions that he could have been behind the murders or what prior behavior might have led to his own sisters to suspect him capable of carrying out such a brute crime. 
Soon after the early hours of 30th of December, law enforcement descended on the family home and arrested him for the murders. Let me see if there's anything else of value. I don't think so. Also, it is also revealed that his white Hyundai Elantra was caught in surveillance footage of the crime scene and that one of the surviving roommates came face-to-face with the killer, masked, dressed in head-to-toe black with his bushy eyebrows, and he left the home in aftermath of the murders. New details have also emerged about what was found during an initial search of his apartment and a rental storage unit. What? Rental storage unit? Hmm. The court documents show that two items tested positive for blood. The two items were a mattress cover on the bed and an uncased pillow. Both of which had visible reddish brown stains, which is gross. I don't know if that had anything to do with the murders or is it just some kind of bizarre, weird sex thing he was doing to himself. The murder weapon, a fixed blade knife, has still never been found. And it goes on. But then I found more. I found this. Again, if you haven't yet. And let me see. Let me see how many people have. I think this works. I have four following me now on Midnight Radio on Rumble. If you're watching right now, there is a link up there in the chat room. Click on it. Go ahead and join us on Rumble. If I have five people, then I can go live on Rumble. I can't now. Let's work on that, guys. I'm telling you, YouTube is going down. It really is. It really is. All right, check this out. This was first reported on CNN. This is good. This was just a few hours ago. Parents of Idaho student murder suspects have been subpoenaed to testify before a Pennsylvania grand jury. That's right, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Dealey Pickles. Dealey Pickles followed everybody. She did. You should, too. Who all do we have in here? How many do we have in chat? 40 people watching. Hello, Sue Mac. Lisa W. All that's sad. Tomorrow is... Madison Mogan's birthday. We got Mr. Else in the chat room. His icon, when it's really small, looks a lot like Dragonflies. Hello, Dragonfly. She won her contest for the Paranormal Kristen. She won book one and two. Congratulations go out to her and shame on you guys for not entering. I swear. Moving right along here. Moving right along here. Let's go over this article. They've been subpoenaed to testify before a Monroe County, Pennsylvania investigative grand jury. Kohlberger's father is expected to testify before the impaneled grand jury in a sealed, sealed proceeding, secret proceeding in Pennsylvania Thursday, this Thursday. So we're going to have more information, maybe. His mother previously testified before the secretive panel. And no information from us. I bet they're getting a whole lot of, well, I don't know. Well, did he say anything to you during your trip? And when he went to Colorado, did you see any long pointy knives anywhere in the vicinity? Did he stop and like pee in the forest or by a bridge or something? Did you see anything that uh, grandfather Kohlberger? Why? I don't recall. Imagine it goes something like that. 
His mother previously testified before the secretive panel. We got no information on that. The parents of the man indicted for the killings of four University of Idaho State students were subpoenaed in the Pennsylvania jurisdiction where they live, where Brian Kohlberg was arrested last December. They could still be subpoenaed for the trial. Their compelled testimony under oath may be shared with prosecutors in Idaho, according to the source. Pennsylvania law allows judges to release transcripts of witness testimony before grand juries to other investigative agencies after a court hearing. An attorney representing Kohlberger's parents tried unsuccessfully to have the subpoena quashed. It's a damn shame. The attorney retained by Michael and Marianne Kohlberger declined to comment to CNN. And a lot of people declined to watch it. I'll read it, though. Saying that, I love reading CNN's website. I really do. One of my favorite things is their product reviews. The late the Lataw County Lataw County Prosecutor's Office declined to comment, citing the gag order. Now, by law, Monroe County jury can only review potential crimes that occurred within Monroe County. Pennsylvania is unclear what potential crime they're investigating. Well, that is a damn shame. Grand jury proceedings are secretive by nature and documents related to the proceedings are sealed. One of the things I heard about before this, and I don't know if CNN doesn't know, maybe they're not talking about it. I heard that they're investigating that friend of his who he burgled her house, uh, supposedly, allegedly, he burgled her house and installed cameras and was looking through it. You know, if they found something in his laptop, the holy shit, Look what this guy was doing. You know, he was watching her parading around in her underwear, watching Netflix. Yeehaw. Maybe that's what it is. We don't know what it is. They're not saying what it is. It's not the murder because that didn't happen there. The only thing that happened was in Pennsylvania is what? What I just said. I'm going to continue to keep up with this and I'll let you know. We should maybe find out something by Thursday or Friday. And I already told you how they were. The, uh, they were supposedly fired. Supposedly they're standing behind their brother, had no idea. And now they're saying they have an idea. We have an idea. What's going to happen? You know, it, it, it makes me wonder. And the phone line's open too, in case you're wondering, want to converse with me about this. 325-261-0892. I'd like to talk to you about what's going on right now in the Idaho 4 case. I find it highly unlikely that... One of the family members, the sister, one of the sisters is saying that they suspected the brother to anybody and that Dateline knows because they have a secret source. Now, if they had somebody, you know, how do I do that? Hold on. It would look a lot like this. Let me do it. This is a pain in the butt, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, yes, uh, I was dating Brian Kohlberger's sister. And uh, she told me, she told me that uh, that she thought it was him. They didn't have that on that report. They just said somebody told them. All right. They just said, well, you know, it's also been said that, I mean, come on. And what's going to happen? What is the crimes for false reporting? If you watch CNN or Fox, you know, there's not a damn thing that can be done about certain circumstances. You think the sisters who don't have jobs supposedly can sue Dateline? No, hell no. And it's over such a little thing. It's like, you know what? If we put this in our documentary to spice it up, no one's, nobody can do anything. Nobody can do anything. Or 
Perhaps it is possible. Perhaps one of the sisters, you know, the more I think about this, the more ludicrous it is, but it's still possible, I guess. Listen, one of the sisters talked to her best friend. He's like, you know, I kind of thought, you know, oh, 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 we look, she's smoking there, drinking her beer and they're on the couch. Oh, oh, we checked his car. You know, we were wondering, you know, and then the friend told, but how would that work? Yeah, let me go up to Dateline and tell, hey, Keith Morrison, guess what? I'm not seeing this. Let me look in the chat room. But yeah, maybe it's possible. Maybe it's possible, but it, can it be proved right or can it be proved wrong ever? I don't know. I suspect Kohlberger has proud inside properties before. That's from Perry UK. I agree. I'm losing my mind. You know, I, I agree with that. I suspect he has too. You know, even when ah, just the little things that get put out, you know, like him installing that camera for his friend who is a female and uh, having the, just having the ability, having the ability to, to look at her house inside, you know, but we don't know if that happened or not but he had the possibility, but if he was doing that and they're investigating it, that would make sense why his parents would get called in Pennsylvania, by the way, for a secret grand jury closed off the public another time, you know, like, so this is an indictment. They're trying to get up an indictment for what we're going to find out this Thursday. They say this Thursday or Friday. So check that out. I'm getting bad vibes about BK's dad, but don't quote me on that. I guess I just did, but I didn't say who. Oh, this is hilarious. I so quoted you. I so quoted you right there live. All right, guys, we're also going to talk about the Jesse McFadden case. And this is rocking people in Oklahoma because of how, the way it's being handled and how dangerous it was. So it's literally like taking a wild animal and putting it in the meat aisle of a supermarket your officials doing that people are freaking out about this i'm freaking out about this i'm freaking out about this uh, we're going to go over that today and i got more stories after that one of the stories i want to talk about is this little device right here i have some upcoming videos i'm going to do with this this is called the flipper zero what can you do with this this is a cybersecurity testing tool which means one of the things you can do about this is you can program it to be any uh, IR remote, but you can scan and try them all at the same time. Um, you can also record radio frequencies. And uh, well, one of the cool things you could do with it is you can hijack gas signs and make them say the price of gas is D's nuts. Uh, I got videos coming up about this and more information coming about this at the end of the program this is called the flipper zero no they are not sponsoring my content they're just you know helping me with fun time we'll talk about this later all right we're going to talk about jesse mcpherson right now mcfadden i said mcpherson we're going to talk about jesse mcfadden right now i've got something very interesting I can't play the audio of this, but you're not really missing anything. All right. Let me see what you're seeing. 
Hold on. Aha. All right. I'm going to show you this full screen. I've got, I got this from his, this is from his, uh, what is that? That what's that Chinese company? Instagram. I got this from his Instagram. His Instagram, by the way, has been taking, taken down. So if you commit a crime nowadays, we were busting our asses all over the internet. Not me, but also you guys. We're trying to find the book from the, you know, the author, the mother who killed the father and then wrote a book about how to deal with grief with your children. We were looking for that book. It's been pulled off the internet. It's, we feel like it's bullshit. All right to for all these different companies to come just completely wipe you off the internet so nobody can get any information about anything unless you show a warrant what the f all right so his instagram isn't up anymore but somebody else pulled this i got it from them now in this video you can see a better uh aerial view of his property um, you can also see that he's on something called a, a CB tower or which citizens band tower used for ham radio. Uh, they're kind of out in the country, so they might've been using it for something else, but it also leads that there's another way of communication here for him in case, I don't know if he had CB radio equipment or what, but check this out. This is him. This is old man McFadden. Last time you obviously see a smile on his face. I see a shed. He's, I see this big old i'm gonna rewind it a little bit do we have an engineer in the house do we have an engineer in the house it looks new actually and they're not cheap what the hell is he doing with that see and there's nothing hooked up to it yet it's just the tower very interesting you can see his property you see the ominous house Back behind him, I want to do a warning for everybody, content warning. Some of these next things I'm going to talk about are very disturbing. That guy's a jackass. Get out of here, jackass. All right, I'm going to play this. This was his victim from his original arrest. It's sick, and I think it's terrible, and I think the justice system failed everybody completely. In 2003, McFadden was convicted of raping Crystal Strong. McFadden pleaded no contest, took an Alford plea, and was sentenced to 20 years in prison. I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. I couldn't keep a normal, I couldn't keep a normal relationship. I was told I'd never have children. I mean, but obviously that's not the case. I ended up having four kids, but uh, he, uh, he traumatized me pretty bad. McFadden was released on that rape conviction in 2020. However, he was still facing charges from 2017, soliciting a minor in possession of juvenile pornography. Why would you even say, oh, okay, Jesse, it's okay. You can go ahead and, you know, get out. Go be a free man. That, that shows you he's not changed. Strong says she feels like the justice system failed her and the other victims. Those babies are never going to live their life now because of this all right, moving along here. She gave me good background of some of the things that happened, I think. And your girl, Ashley Banfield. You've been hearing a whole lot about Jesse McFadden in the last week. The man who murdered his wife, her three kids, and two kids who came for a sleepover. And probably, probably molested and maybe murdered many other children. 
some of the children featured in photographs and ledgers found in his sex torture chamber home by family members of the victims and then eventually by the police. And it turns out Jesse had a younger brother, still does, in prison, guy named Cody. We reported on this first, uh, thanks to my secret confidential informant, Detective Dealey Pickles. Uh, we, we report on this earlier about his brother and uh, what a horrible person his brother was twice a bastard that he ever was. And uh, then uh, Banfield reported on it. So we'll go over that again. Uh, some of this information we're going over is disturbing. Uh, you shouldn't let your kids listen or watch it. And it even gives me nightmares. Let's continue here. McFadden. And Apple didn't fall far from Jesse's tree there. Cody McFadden has quite a rap sheet of his own, sadistic and violent crimes. Let's just run through them since 2010, shall we? Making meth, assault with a deadly weapon, battery, aggravated assault, arson, assaulting a doctor, assaulting a police officer, cruelty to animals. And just most recently, last summer, that's July of 2022, he locked his ex-girlfriend in a dog cage for an entire day. He tortured her. He beat her bloody with a stick to the point where there was blood on every part of her body. Wow. He reportedly used jumper cables to electrocute her. She escaped, and he set his house on fire in a standoff with the police. He's currently in jail on kidnapping and felony assault. And to prove how dangerous he is... When I see this, it makes me wonder, what the hell happened to these kids? What happened to these guys when they were kids? What happened? Uh, law, law enforcement tried to close down this inve investigation ASAP, appalling. That's exactly right. We're going to continue to go over this. Why would they not want a full investigation to identify any other potential victims and or perpetrators to learn from the mistakes? All right, let's continue here. Phone. Phone number is 325-261-0892 if you want to talk about this or any of the other stories we're covering tonight here on Midnight Radio. He's on $1 million bond. A million dollars bond. This is a guy who reported he had zero assets, zero income, that his, enti his entire employment was considered food stamps. A guy who has no money and gets a billion-dollar bond. That's a guy they don't want getting out. That's a dangerous, dangerous felon. And that's Jesse McFadden's dear brother. I want to bring in Robin Dreek. He's a retired FBI special agent who managed the Bureau's counterintelligence behavioral analysis program. Robin, um, first of all, let's just talk about Cody for a minute. How was yeah. a guy walking the streets uh, as early as July of last year and able to commit that hideous and sadistic series Lots of crimes of against that girlfriend, that ex-girlfriend, with 15 years of violent criminal felony behavior. How was he walking the street last summer? What state? How's any of this happened, Ashley? This whole system down there right now is a broken. I, as your last guest is saying, the former ADIC, he, he articulated perfectly. Everything down there needs to be redone and revamped, and you need to... All right, so let's look at this gentleman's credentials. Uh, one thing Jennifer Coffinaffer did, who used to be their go-to person, is she was a firearms trainer in the FBI. 
This man, Robert Dreek, retired FBI special agent, former head of FBI's uh, behavioral analysis program, studied interpersonal relations and behavior for over 30 years. And I would call him qualified. Bring in outside people right now. Leadership needs to be shaken up massively. I can't explain any of this. It's just tragic, all of it, internally, externally, everything. I feel like the FBI should be all over it, and the Oklahoma authorities should just pack up and head out, especially how they're oh. treating the press, telling the family members, we're not their friends, don't speak to the press, and then denying us any transparency at all when we just asked for the warrant. The results of the warrant, please. In the same place, he screwed up so massively for nine straight days. Can't get that either. Our freedom of information request was denied. No reason given other than the law, which is baloney and we know it. Okay, the other thing I needed to ask you about is looking at Cody McFadden mm. as compared to Jesse McFadden. Is there such a thing as a bad gene? It's just, it's shocking to me to see this much sadistic criminal behavior among brothers. So yes, ish, I'll say it's, it's always a blend of nature and nurture in situations. And clearly there's a lot of nature in here too, because lightning very rarely strikes twice to that degree genetically, but it couldn't happen. But definitely there's a lot of behaviors and, and both these individuals have what I call reps. They had a lot of early reps in life and started with animal cruelty, most likely, and started to abuse them. And they just kept escalating throughout their lives. And, it, and when you start feeding on that and you're in a community that's feeding on that, and like I just learned on your show tonight, that there's a lot of other child defenders um, in the area. That is just a really bad situation where people are feeling safe to do really heinous crimes. And so that makes a recipe for disaster as well. And that information came to us from the lawyer for Ivy Webster's parents. Ivy Webster, one of the sleepover children who had come for a slumber party and ended up murdered along with six others. Um, the other question I have for you is, is it so far off to think that Cody may have engaged in any of the same criminal activities as his brother, given the fact that there was so much opportunity for Cody, who lived just around the corner and at one point lived in his mother's house with his brother when they were adults, uh, so much opportunity for criminal behavior right inside that, that sickening farmhouse. Is it a stretch to think that maybe Cody might be involved as well? I don't think it's a stretch at all. I mean, it makes sense. You have time and space overlaps. You have modus of life overlaps they have very similar violent backgrounds and so right now and i'd, I'd love the fact that you again your last guest said the one one of the things the fbi does really well is the child protection task force that we have and that is they come in and they can start drawing linkages through data online through the dark web all these things that start spreading this net out to kind of figure out who's who who's doing what Find victims and find the perpetrators more than anything because they're they're out there. There's a we have an opportunity here would, if handled would, well. Hey, Robin, to do that. wouldn't it be nice? Would it be nice if we could announce to that community that the 
Oklahoma State authorities, the Sheriff's Department, the FBI, they need your help. If you think you may yes. have been abused by this person, we need your help to find others. Nope, they won't speak to us at all. They won't even tell us what they took from the house. I think they're covering their butts in the worst way at this point. Um, and it's, it's shameful to see what's transpiring in this awful, awful case. Robin Drake, uh, this is not the- All right, I'm gonna stop it right there. They're covering their butts. All right. Um. The banana. Good evening, Jerry. Good evening, Mr. Hustle. Do you leave a victim's phone at the scene? It's just outrageous. I will go over the warrants here in a minute. Matter of fact, let's make that minute after this next Manfield video. I got one more. It turns out after that horrible monster in Oklahoma murdered his own wife, her three kids, and two kids who were on a sleepover, that sex offender, Jesse McFadden. After he did all of that, police issued eight different search warrants on that home, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, The first one, though, it's pretty amazing. We now know some of the things that the police took, and can I just tell you, you might have been able to hold it in one hand. I mean, it's nuts to think that they processed a scene with one search warrant and walked out of there with, like, almost nothing. It's, it's, it's frustrating. It makes you angry. But there's a couple of other things in the search warrants that might make you even more angry, like big glaring errors, the kind that you shouldn't do when... It's more telling what they didn't leave with, and we're going to go over that here in a minute. Five little kids get, you know, killed by a sex offender, like mixing up the, the names of the victim's parents. That's bad. Mixing up the names of the victim's. That's bad. Saying a car was impounded when it, it wasn't. And then an Amber Alert went out. It, it didn't. Stuff like that. Not good in a case that's already like so publicly now botched, right? Justin Webster is Ivy Webster's dad. Ivy Webster was raped and murdered by this monster in this horrible murder-suicide. And Justin was one of the people whose names was mixed up in this warrant. And this is what he said. How many times does it take a sheriff's office to mess up over and over and over again to where we finally get an investigation into the sheriff's office? They failed once again, miserably, over and over and over again. We're also getting some answers to those 32 cell phones that were registered to that sex offender's property. 32? There's only five people living there. How do you get 32 numbers? That's why I want to bring in News Nation senior national correspondent Brian Enton, he is live in Henrietta, Oklahoma tonight. So oh, let's start with the search warrant material. Um, the KFOR reporter, our affiliate reporter, has seen some of the warrants. It's pretty upsetting what's in them. Yeah, let me go through them with you real quick, Ashley, because we went through and kind of made bullet points of everything that's in these warrants so that you can understand. There are eight search warrants total. Uh, started on uh, May 1st. First one, uh, photos, State Farm, drive safe tokens and receipts. Uh, and those State Farm drive safe tokens, they're basically these things that are in your car that the insurance uh, companies can track you with for your rates. That is all uh, that was taken on May 1st. White Chevy Avalanche was impounded um, and law enforcement seized some things from it. That was on May 8th. This is everything they seized. Uh, eight latent print cards from Avalanche Processing, five palm and three fingerprints, four pairs of swabs from exterior door handles, four interior door handles, steering wheel from Avalanche, Route 66 lanyard with two ring keys on the ring, uh, straw from driver's side, flat lid cup, straw from the passenger side, purchase receipts, uh, the McDonald's, the cafe cups, DVD uh, was processed. Um, and you mentioned it. What, what's so 
that's frustrating for the family is there were errors in the search warrants. Um, it incorrectly said that the Amber Alert was for Tiffany Guess and Ivy Webster. It was actually a miss. There's an error from News Nation because there was bloody clothing on that search warrant, unless unless they mention it. An endangered alert that is very different from an Amber Alert. Um, an Amber Alert is much, much more serious. They also mixed up Tiffany's father's name with Ivy's father's name, uh, which obviously has the family livid. Three different addresses listed for this ranch, even though it spans, I mean, just having everybody living at three different numbers along this road, that avalanche was not impounded. It had like something called a no touch hold on it, which is very different. Families were able to open and look and touch and all the rest. So whatever their processing yielded. So now talk to me about those 32 cell phones. What's the mystery? Because that sounded really ugly. And I thought maybe that's more perps. What did it turn out to be? Okay, this is important because we've been talking about the 32 cell phones. It's actually 19 cell phone numbers that were connected to the property. 32 accounts, but it's 19 numbers. All but four belong to former tenants. So most of the numbers have nothing to do with this case, it appears, and none of them, from what we can tell, are on the sex offender list. But of those four, some connected to Holly, Jesse McFadden's wife, some connected to Holly's mom. But what's interesting uh, is from what we can tell in our research, none of the cell phones are technically connected uh, to Jesse McFadden. Totally bizarre. That's where he lives. Convicted yeah. sex offender has, he has a cell phone, you know it. I wonder where he registered or somebody registered it for him. Well, it'd be awful nice to find out and it'd be easy to find out if I could pull the original damn video that was on his Instagram account, but it seems like some asshole took his Instagram account down so we can't look at the ID3 tag on there because you can look, you can download the file and look at the tag if you know how to, but no. All right. And I'm pretty sure the investigators aren't either. And that would have probably been his phone. He was taking that selfie with what selfie. If you just turned in, I'm talking about this selfie right here on this video from this TikTok. All right. From this, obviously, his damn phone, because it says 5G on there, numb nuts. This is why you don't take information off the internet. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, uh, nobody wants this except for the police department, right? Nobody can find anything out about this. Yeah, because you took it off, you jackass. All right. Let's go over the hell else they're going to talk about here therefore maybe it wouldn't be subject to you know searches for underage porn like he had in prison Ooh. uh brian enton obviously there's more to report on this story it's a great job thank you for that appreciate it thank you for watching thank you ashley ashley yeah ashley's going to be coming on here a little bit later guys just in case you're wondering mcfadden's former prison cellmate slept with one eye open we're going to go over that i'll go ahead and show you it's all right this one right here but we're going to go over that after we go over the search warrant you guys want to see the search warrant all right well here's a little bit of it all right just to so show you this is an affidavit for search warrant if you're just tuning in um i'd appreciate if you hit that like button it helps people find us there on youtube and if you're just tuning in you'd like to follow us because you know sometimes youtube does not put out the notifications on time i'm going to stream simultaneously with rumble but first thing i need is at least five people to follow there's a link right up there in the chat room at the very top is pinned 
follow us on rumble you're going to get those notifications you can also we're streaming live right now at midnightrad.io so this talks about the reasons for wanting the search warrant right here and where it is henrietta uh, oklahoma almost said california and uh on may the first all right all right let me go back and uh get something with a little more information what the heck just happened it kicked let me get that back all right Check it out. This is the same damn thing I had before. All right. Uh, all right. DNA samples. Affidavit. This is the second page. It doesn't matter what they're looking for, does it? This is almost crazy. Um, okay, so important to note that this says probable this is on may the 1st that was a date now this has changed this is filed on may 11th may 11th all right the other one was from may the 1st did you see that that's important because this is when it happened on the morning of may the 1st 2023 they responded to mcfadden's residence discovered the front door jar mcfadden also failed to appear at the muskogee county district court for pending charges of uh, possession of child porn on the same date, law enforcement officers discovered the deceased bodies of McFadden, Holly Guess, and five juveniles on the property. On May 6, 2023, the district attorney requested, on May the 6th, requested OSBI full investigate investigative assistance in identifying, documenting, and gathering additional information and evidence. That was on May the 6th, which was still located at the property. On May the 6th, OSBI agent interviewed the father of guests at the property who informed agents the subject located additional items of interest inside the residence. Now, we watched this almost live right after a news channel um, journalist and the father of guests went through there and they showed sex toys. They had lube. They had chains all on the walls. They had all the cell phones still there and various other disturbing things and then that is oh that was on may the 6th that's when they called osbi to say hey are you gonna investigate this this guy's a known uh sex offender aren't you gonna see if he was involved in any other things that was that date all right and this is signed may the 6th now we're gonna go to the next page here and then this is uh what you see this is what osbi did this is the OSBI agent and the things that they're looking for, okay? Now, I'm going to read this because there's a difference between the things that they say they're looking for in this warrant and the things they actually got. Any forensic evidence, including but not limited to DNA samples, hairs, fibers, fingerprints, other physical trace or biological forensic evidence, firearms capable of firing bullets, 
any initial any uh, ammunition capable of being fired by a fire, firearm go on go on any items belonging to victims witnesses or potential suspects in this case including wallets purses clothing jewelry and electronic communication devices all computers but not limited to desktop computers So you're getting the idea here, and I'll make this a little bit bigger so you can read it. CDs, DVDs, external hard drives, thumb drives, any other material. All right, I'm going to go to my second set of warrants here. And I have four different sets for us to go over. The reason why we're going over this is to see how badly this was messed up from the OSBI and the, the police department. If there's any way possible, if you're involved in anything like this, not that you're doing it, but something, something like this happens to your family, you need to document from, from the beginning to the end of what's actually going on. You need to take that upon yourself. I'm not saying interfere. I'm not saying do the investigation yourself. What I'm saying is you need to document. Don't trust the government or anybody else to do this for you. All right, so this is my second set of warrants. The following described property was seized under this warrant on the 7th day of May. Now, this is from the police, the cops, the sheriff's department here. This isn't from OSBI. And, but this was uh, a seventh day. Let me make sure here. This might be OSBI, actually. Let's check. Your offendant was made aware of a missing persons case involving 14-year-old female named Tiffany Guest from 14317 Holly Road in Ocumley County. I was later made aware that a second juvenile female was reported missing from Henrietta PD deputy reported that dispatch advised that Ashley Webster was wanting to report her daughter, Ivy Webster, missing. Ashley stated that on the April 29th, 2023, at approximately 10.56 hours, Ivy went to spend the night with her friend Tiffany Guess. Deputy from reported that the last time Ashley had contact with Ivy was on April 29th at 2200 hours via Snapchat message. Ashley advised that Ivy told her they were going to McAllister, Oklahoma to fix a fence. Ashley told Ivy she was to be home at 1700 hours on Sunday, April 30th. Ashley and her husband, Justin Webster, Ivy's adopted father, called Ivy's phone several times, along with Ivy's friend, Tiffany's parents' phones. Ashley identified Tiffany's parents as Jess and Holly, but was unable to provide their last names. Justin advised they were able to get in contact via cell phone with Jesse who advised they were stuck and then lost reception. After being unable to make contact with anyone, they called law enforcement. I was advised the extension cellular phone ping showed Jesse's wife, Holly McFadden's cell phone was actively pinging on or nearby the property on 5-1-2023 at 12.45 hours. Let's look at that. I don't know if you can see me looking here, but it was 12-5-1-2023. I was afraid of that. That was Monday at midnight. So that was Monday morning early. So they were alive until the last 
because he didn't want to go to jail again. We're talking about McFadden. He didn't want to go to prison again. Actually, that is not 1245. That is noon 45 that day. Wow. So that's even later than I thought. That's that Monday, the Monday that he was supposed to go to court. I didn't know that it happened that late. Oh, that's crazy. Maybe they were already dead and he was just looking through his departed wife's phone. I was advised that Tiffany's cellular phone was pinged on or nearby the property, but has since lost signal. I was advised by Lieutenant Hill of Jesse's conversation with his mother, LaDonna McFadden, on the evening of 4-30-2023. I was advised that Jess told his mother that he was not going back to prison and that he had decided to kill himself. Guys, I'm not going to... I Am I? Let me look. Because I didn't plan. Yeah, I did. I was actually going to go over this. So his first victim, you know, the woman that he arred, had unwanted intercourse with, you know, we saw her being interviewed earlier by the son. Her name was what? Melissa, I believe. No. Anyway. She said that after he did what he did to her, which is what initially got him into prison, then he ran away and he was by a lake or something and he tried to commit suicide. Then by slashing his wrists. So she wasn't surprised that he killed himself this time. So we're we're talking about a judicial system that knew that before they let him out. I mean, there's so many different, I got so much more to go over. I actually almost feel like the warrants are the least of it. But on May the 1st, I don't know what time, they issued a a warrant for this address during the eviction of this warrant. The remains of seven individuals were found on the property south and east of the residence. A white and color Chevrolet avalanche was located on the property just to the north of the residence on the north side of Holly Road. The avalanche is registered to Holly Guest, who is now Holly McFadden. Said property was also listed on the search warrant. The avalanche was impounded and investigate and investigate hold was placed on the Newton's wrecker in bags. Your affidavit anticipates the evidence contained within the aforementioned vehicle will assist in the furtherance of the investigation into this instance involving the murder slash suicide and a search warrant is being requested for the same. All right, here we go. What they found, here we go. And uh, News Nation didn't report on this correctly. All right. The interior passenger compartment uh this is what they found to include the motor compartment external shell and bed the search will include any firearms ammunitions spent shell casings dna cellular phones other communications this is what all they're looking for right and they got the tag and they got the vin number the vehicle was towed from the above listed address and secured in an enclosed facility at the record service after the murder suicide that happened on or between April 29th and May 1st. All right. So there's a picture, but that's all we got. Moving on. Is that all I got here? All right. So this is number what? Two. Let's go to three. All right. Let me go to the next one here. Yeah, that was everything. And this is two. We're going to go to three now. 
All right, let me bring this back. All right. Okay. Everybody take a little break here. Take a deep breath. If you're watching this right now, if you haven't before, you can go ahead and subscribe. And that way you can join in the conversation wherever we go live, you'll get a notification. And if you like what you're seeing, go ahead and hit that like button because that shares it with the algorithm to other people. Thank you very much. I'm going to continue here as we look through all these warrants. Warrant number three of four of the info I got right now. These are the real things. Are you guys looking at sex and violent offender compliance check? Let's look at the date on this. This is 824. That was his date, 83. Um, where's the date? Oh, 62422. So apparently, let's look at this name, Jesse McFadden. Here's his phone number for anybody who wants to call it. Uh, Ray Allen, Michael Mayo, Tiffany Guest, stepdaughter, stepson, stepdaughter. This was on 62422. So they knew that he had children there living with him, which is not allowed. It's not allowed for a sex offender like him. Of course, they have the name of his. This is not compliance. Now, his... um his wife and her ex-husband, when they were getting divorced, they both put on there that they didn't have any children when they were being divorced. And she was already living with McFadden. So it wasn't on there that there was going to be any children in the household, but it's here on the sex and offender compliance check, which isn't allowed. Did I say that? Did I say it's not allowed? Self-employed. He provided a credit card bill with name and address. Well, that's great. 62422. Oh, checked in. All right. So here is what they found. And they found this on the eighth day of May 2023. I received the where in red at 1230 hours on the eighth day of May. I made service thereof by this is like a, a, a week after, by the way. A search thereof, the vehicle was described and by seizing the following. I think it was May 6th that we saw the video of the walkthrough that we played here on the show. They found eight latent print cards from Avalanche Processing, five palm and three fingerprint, okay. Four pairs of swabs, exterior door handle, four interior door handle, steering wheel from Avalanche. Route 66 lanyard with two drinks, keys on a ring. The hell's a Route 66 lanyard? Uh, two Brinks keys on ring. Straw from driver's side flat lid cup. Straw from passenger side cup dome lid. Purchase receipts, three from Avalanche Processing. Two McDonald's McCafe cups. DVD with Avalanche vehicle processing photos. That's it. I thought I saw blood somewhere, but I guess I did not. I found said property in the possession of a 2007 white Chevy Avalanche. Okay, that's all they found. Are we missing anything? Nope. That's it for this. Let's go to what, what are we looking at? The fourth and final now? 
Yeah, fourth and final. Bringing it up now. I'm going over everything. Everything. All right, here, I think I found more. All right, I found more. I found more. I knew it. Let me show you. There's, there's a lot to go over, guys. I did go over all of it beforehand. All right, here we go. Am I missing anything good in the chat room? No. All right. Let's continue here. If you haven't yet, if you hit that like button, it would help us out. I appreciate it. Appreciate it very much. Let me go ahead and play the final part of this. And this is a part that hasn't been reported anywhere else that I've seen. I saw it myself. This is number four right here. All right. So let's look at the dates. Very important. And who? This, if you'll see, this looks uh, better. This is OSBI, of course. To any sheriff's police officer, law enforcement officer in the state of Oklahoma, proof by affidavit of OSBI, Special Agent Jason, Justin Dow with the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. Before me this day, based upon facts herein, probable cause have been found. I command you to make immediate search of the following described property and things. And if you find the same or part thereof to bring it forth with me, I will say this, um, what we looked at before, uh, they're just looking at the truck. They didn't look at the property. They didn't list anything on there from the property. They're all focusing on, they're all focusing on the, the damn truck. Okay, the vehicle is presently secured at Newton Wrecker and, and uh, Auto. The said evidence to writ is bloodstain articles, physiological fluids and secretions, hairs, fibers, fingerprints, palm prints, footprints, fingernails, shoe prints, shoes, clothing, and other garments with weapons, firearms, projectiles, and ammunition. I don't know if they didn't find any of this. I guess this is what they were looking for. Yeah, this is just a search warrant. Uh, this is after that other thing we read that they were looking for. So it was searched twice. All right, let me see if I have anything else. I don't know if I do. Well, it did have inaccurate information i do have something about his brother i guess i'll go ahead and show you that uh you know when he set his house on fire cody mcfadden Huh. Let's check this out. This is weird. This is weird, guys. Somebody just sent this to me. This somebody just sent this breaking live. Apparently we played the video earlier about Jesse McFadden's brother and how he had that one woman locked in a a cage and 
she escaped while he was uh, I can't remember what it was he went to get her something or and he had an open oh I know he was hitting the cage with a bat or something and it damaged the cage and she was able to get out well during this whole well this whole thing is happening Jesse was involved in that did you know that let me let me show you that I had no idea until I read this uh, paperwork so we'll check that out next and then we're going with uh, more of the story this is from 2020 so this is pretty fresh this is a petition for protective order this is LaDonna Jean McFadden defendant versus Cody Ray McFadden that was Cody that was Jesse McFadden's brother Petitioner is victim of domestic violence, victim of harassment. It goes on in the definition of stalking. This is just paperwork. Petitioner is a resident. Actually, where is this real quick? Because it didn't, Pittsburgh County, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, don't worry. Uh, defendant is a resident of the county. The domestic abuse occurred in the county where this petition is filed. So what do we know? Well, her name is LaDonna Jean McFadden. So this was his wife. before. This was Cody's wife before he just acted like it was some woman. Now, now we know it was his wife at the time. So that's information we didn't have before. The defendant was caused or attempted to cause physical harm to Cody McFadden. Tried to catch my house on fire. The defendant has threatened imminent physical harm to his brother, Jesse McFadden. The defendant has harassed LaDonna McFadden. And here we go. December 13th, 2020. Defendant has been threatening to kill himself. He then started threatening to burn my house down. I called Sheriff Department. He then stated... Then he, he then started lighting his blanket on fire. Hold on a second. This is confusing because we're just getting a part of this. All right, LaDonna Jean McFadden, okay, and Cody Ray McFadden. We know he's the accused, but this might be his mother. He was living with his mother. Defendant is my child, grandchild, stepchild, adopted child, or foster child. So this is his mother he did this to. He wasn't trying to burn his house down. He was trying to burn mama's house down. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Defendant had been threatening to kill himself. He then started threatening to burn my house down. I called sheriff's department. He then started lighting his blanket on fire. His brother restrained him. He went outside, got into his vehicle, and lit it on fire with himself inside. That's a hell of a way to go, ladies and gentlemen. He got out of the vehicle, sat for a moment, got a rope, and headed for the woods. His brother, Jesse McFadden, and my boyfriend, Randy Hoyle, followed him. He climbed a tree-tied rope around his around neck and branch, threatening to jump. He was talked down. He, he was He's diagnosed with schizophrenic affective disorder. He thinks drones are following him that he has a microchip implanted, has destroyed eyeglasses because Choctaw implanted clip, Choctaw implanted chip. He goes to people's houses and yells for them to come outside 
and call off the drones. He accuses family members of tracking him, mind control, owing him money. He burns his dollars, wallet, ID, clothing. That sick bastard. Petitioner does request an emergency protective order. This is his mother. He, she doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. Petitioner requests the following relief. Check below. Defendant should be prohibited from engaging in other conduct that would place the petitioner in reasonable fear of bodily injury to the petitioner or the petitioner's household members or relatives. Defendant should be ordered to leave and remain away from the residence. What else do we got? That's it. That's some disturbing. That's some disturbing information. Filling out of a protective order from your mother and your brother, and then your brother goes knocking thoughts too. All right. This is uh, another video from your girl Banfield, and then I have some more information from the victim of Jesse McFadden, the one that sent him to prison initially. You know, um, you learn a lot, like a lot, about somebody if you are locked up with them for 16 months in a cell, just the two of you. You learn a lot. <laughs> you can either really like that person or you can come to really hate that person. And it sounds as though the person who was locked up uh, with Jesse McFadden, that name is familiar because he just killed his entire family and two kids who were sleeping over. All seven bodies found dumped on his sex offender ranch, that's his registered address, in Oklahoma. And now his former cellmate is speaking out. To be clear, his former cellmate was not in for the same filthy charges that Jesse McFadden was in for. Jesse McFadden was in for criminal rape, raped a 15-year-old at knife point. And while he was in, he had a contraband phone and he was actually looking up naked pictures of kids. And he was charged with that. And on the day that he committed those murders, of his entire family and those other two kids, he was supposed to be in court for that second offense. That didn't happen. James Fleming was his cellmate, was not in for any kind of sexual offense, let me be clear. But he certainly knew Jesse McFadden well, knew him personally, mother's house ended up Sunday sharing dinner. a two-man prison cell with that rapist, mass murderer, um, for more than a year, again, clear. James Fleming was not incarcerated for any sex-related or violent crime, but he joins me live now. James, thank you so much for being on. I'm sure all of this comes as an absolute shock. Can you give me some insight as to the person who Jesse McFadden was, the person you knew? Um, so when I first met Jesse, he just seemed like a normal, clean-cut, you know, another inmate, another convict. But, uh, you know, as we moved in together and we shared a cell, you know... It's about, uh, I would say about six months into it, I just realized how weird he was. Um, his conversations would always turn into sexual conversations. Uh, he was, he, he was just a, a very awkward guy. Um, I caught him, you know, stalking nurses down at the medical facilities. Uh, you know, he, he was just your very, very awkward weird person there was some report that he had actually assaulted someone in the prison as well that is a weird hat is it glowing or is it just reflecting like that um 
I don't know. I'm not sure about him assaulting anybody in the prison. I'm not, it might have been me. before I knew him. Okay. Um, while you had, uh, you, you say that you never were at ease, that you slept with one eye open. Tell me about that. Oh, definitely. So about six months into our, you know, living arrangement, uh, he came out and told me that he was in prison for rape. You know, of course he justified it. He gave me his side of the story, which I found out later was not true. But, you know, at the same time, he's telling me that, you know, his first rape offense was like uh, statutory, I guess you would call it, like a, a 18 year old and a 17 year old girl and her parents found out or whatever. But, you know, I'm sitting there thinking about it while he's telling me and I'm just like, man, you don't get 20 years for that, you know, a statutory rape charge. You get 20 years for something very serious and very violent. So he knew that I knew that he was full of crap, you know? And so after that day, just the demeanor in our cell changed. And unfortunately in Oklahoma, you can't move out of a cell. Once you're in there with somebody, you're stuck. Unless you fight them or you get in trouble, you're stuck with them. So I was stuck. And, uh, I definitely was very uneasy. Um, you know, when you're locked in there with somebody at night, you can't get out. Nobody can hear you if you guys are fighting or, or you know, anything. And so I always had to look over my back. I always had to sleep with one eye open, definitely. Were you angry that he was let out of his sentence three years early, ultimately uh, still facing similar kinds of charges of child pornography? Well, yeah, of course. I, you know, we we stopped being cellmates in 2015, and even throughout the rest of my incarceration, and then whenever I got out of prison, I uh, kept up with him. I was looking on the Oklahoma State Court Network to see when he was going to have to face, you know, the charges that he got while he was at that other prison. Um, I was, you know, looking up to see where he lived. Um, that's how I found out him and Holly got married. I was looking up to see, you know, if he had faced these charges that he was accused of, that he was guilty of. And, uh, and I saw their marriage certificate and it just blew my mind. I, I don't, I don't know I got more on that why they would let him out of prison, why they didn't just take him straight to County jail and await those charges. And I know you're upset because you reached out to police to, you know, let them know that this was a registered sex offender and it was nerve wracking that you couldn't even see where he was uh, registered. And then ultimately after the killings, you let them know how upset you were. The one thing that I just want to let our viewers know about is that you actually had quite a deep connection to Holly, his wife, who he just murdered. You know, that's, yeah, look at it. his hat does look like that symbol's glowing. I don't know if it's a reflection off of something or not but you know what it made me think that i need to get a hat with a glowing symbol on mine you know if i'm ever uh if i have to have to go on news nation or dateline or anything and i'm talking like oh wait i'm gonna be on a national okay hold on then i put my hat on with like some big obscene like glowing symbols like what the hell i'm, I'm totally gonna do that guys i'm gonna have like a midnight radio along symbol. with her three kids and their two friends that you used to be a pen pal of hers when you were incarcerated. Um, she told you that, um, that she loved him and, or she yeah. told you that she loved you. And then on February 20th and February 21st, you had this text exchange with her still as a friend saying, Hey, and she texted back, hi, how are you? 
And you said, doing great, finally enjoying my life. You know, I see you have a different last name. And then she says, yeah, me and Jesse got married. Um, and you say, how are the kids? And she says, they're great and huge, LOL. So clearly you had a good relationship with her. This must be devastating, this news that what not only Holly, but her three whoa, children. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. He's talking about how creepy this guy was, but he was friends with the wife? Who is also, they're thinking, was involved in his uh, pedophilia. And you said, doing great, finally enjoying my life, and that I just want to let our viewers know about is I think she's busting him out without busting him out. She's like, yeah, I know what you're about, dude, you and your glowing symbol. You know, let them know that this is a registered sex offender and it was nerve-wracking that you couldn't even see where he was uh, registered. And then ultimately after the killings, you let them know how upset you were. The one thing that I just want to let our viewers know about is that you actually had quite a deep connection to Holly, his wife, who he just murdered, along with her three kids and their two friends. That You used to be a pen pal of hers when you were incarcerated. Um, she told you that... Um, that she loved him and or she yeah. told you that she loved you and then on february 20th and february 21st you had this text exchange with her still as a friend saying hey and she texted back hi how are you and you said doing great finally enjoying my life you know i see you have a different last name and yeah sorry to interrupt guys talking about the hat yeah i know how to use l wire and air l wire pads where they're patches that are about this big and i can use two different colors white and red so yeah i can make the midnight radio symbol right up here and uh, it's not glowing in the dark i mean it'll actually be glowing i'll show you i'll show you something in a minute but uh at, towards the end of the broadcast when i go over the flipper zero and uh this little thing that i made actually i'm scanning for radio signals right now can you see stop that i'm gonna show you something called a jerry rig that i made which is right here it's an electronic device handheld device i made i'll show you that in a minute towards the end of the broadcast we have all kinds of stuff it's like a variety show in here tonight so banfield just busted him out that his cellmate from 2015 who was creeped out supposedly because he was a pedophile because this guy is a more a moral convict for being involved in drugs and being a burglar. Uh, he was stalking, cyber stalking Jesse McFadden and his wife and was making friends with the wife. And then she says, yeah, me and Jesse got married. Um, and you say, how are the kids? And she says, they're great and huge, LOL. So clearly you had a good relationship with her. This must be devastating, this news that not only Holly, but her three children are dead. Yeah, I just feel like this definitely should not have happened. It definitely should have been avoided. Uh, after I had that text exchange with her, I contacted uh, the police department where their marriage, out of the, the city where their marriage certificate was, was listed as. And uh, of course, he wasn't on the sex offender registry. So I contacted them. I say, hey, there's an offender in your area. He's not on the registry. They say, well, the state has a public list. And I went and checked that list, couldn't find him, got back to him, said, hey, you know, this guy's a predator. He has multiple offenses, you know, just trying to warn him, just wanted to say something. You know, I couldn't say much to her 
because I didn't know if he read her text messages. I didn't want him to see him and hurt her, you know, the changes between us. I just wanted to keep it, you know, straight, you know, friendly. But, you know, when I reached out to the law enforcement and they didn't get back with me, I was just like, you know, what the heck, man? This could have been avoided. This could have been avoided. It's it's confounding. Uh, Jesse is just, a, he was a monster without question. Thank you for watching. Oh. Go to newsnationnow.com oh, to find News Nation true. on your television. Thank you for watching. She's wearing the same shirt, is she not? Ashley? She is. What can I say? I wear a black shirt. It's not the same shirt, though. I see her microphone sticking out. Anyway. All right. As if things couldn't get any worse. Oklahoma killer Jesse McFadden's previous victim describes fleeing naked after the attack. Uh, here we go. A disturbing find in Hederita, Oklahoma, just an hour south of Tulsa. That's where police have been searching for two missing teenagers and turned up bodies believed to be those girls, as well as the bodies of five others. Let's get right out to national political correspondent Alex Miller, who's been tracking this story for us. Alex, what more do we know at this point about those seven bodies found in Oklahoma? All right, so this is the old video with a new story i'm just going to pop over to the ending of this as he served nearly 17 years in prison for rape he is among those uh those seven who were found dead and so uh right now we don't know exactly what the cause of death the manner of death were for all right would you look at this so this property how big is it and um, what does it encompass what about these trailers? And what about this Breaking Bad RV back here? Do they have to search those too? They did drain the pond. These people, the police are not saying it. The medical examiner still needs to confirm cause of death, Veronica. But the woman who says that her family members were killed, she oh, is the one who told the Associated Press that they were shot to death. Obviously, so a lot of the stuff that they would have had to search that wasn't on that search warrant. All they searched was a damn white truck lot to learn about the sequence of events the timeline here and what happened to all of these people which i think they did they did do more they're just not going to tell you all right so the woman that was originally attacked by the convict the one that killed the six people including himself in oklahoma her name was christy crystal strong she was 16 years old when jesse mcfadden 39 at the time of his death assaulted her in 2003 he was convicted of the attack, and after 17 years behind bars, he was released in 2020, despite facing several child porn charges that he got from the inside from a contraband cell phone, which is what he was going to go to court for that following Monday that he took the lives of his family. Strong, now 36, went to the crime scene in McFadden's home in Henrietta. So she's 36 now, and he was 39 at the time of his death. So it shows what age he was when he was originally incarcerated. So there's what, three years difference? She was 16 and he was 19, maybe 20. Uh, she was interviewed by Sun and she described her ordeal. And I'll read as much of it to you as I can. 
She said it all began after she started hanging out with McFadden while he was dating her friend. He would make fun of me. He was just gross. He was weird. He had a crappy personality, not somebody I would date. Never, she told the son. And I can't get a video of this, but she described how she and McFadden were at the same keg party when she got tipsy. He offered to drive her home. He initially left her there, but he reappeared at 3 a.m. and forced his way into her house where he launched his depraved attack. He was shoving a sock in my mouth. Next thing I was being dragged from the living room, tied to my futon with one of my dad's bungee cords. It was very traumatic, she told son. When he was on top of me, he pulled out a knife, stuck it to my throat, and kept pushing harder and harder and harder. He said, if you don't shut up, I swear to God, I'm going to take your life right here. I was like, look, Jesse, we're homies. We go way back. If you just quit and get off me, I won't tell anyone. It's our secret. She said it was like her soul left her body. The brute then ordered her to take a shower and destroy her clothes, which she agreed to. While he was pacing about, I bolted. I ran a quarter mile naked to the neighbor's house where she raised the alarm. Police caught McFadden near a river where he was bleeding after slitting his wrists. Referring to the current tragedy, with which ended with McFadden shooting himself, she added, that's why I had a gut feeling today he would have taken his own life. Why was he on parole? I told the police he was a predator. They should have done more. McFadden failed to show up for court on Monday to stand trial on charges of soliciting sexual contact with a minor and possessions of child pornography. And these are charges he got in prison from a contraband cell phone that he somehow got. And yet he was still released in 2020 and allowed to do the mayhem that he did. This is a burning story in this area where I live because it's cl- I'm, I'm in this area. This is why we're covering this. It's disturbing. I'm telling you, you cannot trust the establishment for your safety. You can't. You cannot do it. All right. He failed to show up on court on Monday to stand trial charges. This is one that went to his house uh, of soliciting sexual contact with a minor in possession of child illicit pictures. He had reportedly sent a series of chilling text messages to the victim in that case Sunday evening, seemingly blaming her for filing charges against him. I did exactly what I promised I would do when I got out, McFadden texted the victim. I got a marketing job making great money and was being a ad- and was being advanced. Been there two years now, made a great life like I promised I would do with you. He reportedly added, now it's all gone. I told you I wouldn't go back. This is all on you for continuing this. While serving a 20-year sentence for what he did to Strong, he was accused of using a contraband cell phone to send a 16-year-old girl in 2017 for sexting a 16-year-old girl in 2017, but was nevertheless released three years early in 2020. Here's a copy of his message. Horrible. All right, let's see what else I got. Okay, now this is about what the wife did, how she hid this from the family. Let's see if I play this video right here. The injuries include Ivy Webster suffered one gunshot wound to the head. 
Brittany Brewer suffered one gunshot wound to the head. Riley Allen suffered one gunshot wound to the head. The part that one of the parts that has me so upset is how could any woman and there's women in the audience. There's a phone number up there if you want to call in and talk about this. How would any woman be with a guy like this? There has to be other issues I'm not seeing. What is wrong with her? All right. What is she lacking in her life that she feels like a man like this in her life would add to it? No one knew Jesse McFadden's wife married the convicted rapist in secret less than a year before he killed her and her children. So they were married less than a year. They were secretly married. A heartbroken Heather Pettigrew said her family was kept in the dark about her sister Holly's marriage to Jesse McFadden, revealing exclusively to the U.S. Sun they only learned about their nuptials a few months ago. We were told that they were married on Christmas Eve, Heather said, learning on Tuesday that her sister McFadden had been married for nearly a year. We did not find out that wasn't true until yesterday. No one in my family even knew the wedding took place. They had a wedding cake at her Christmas party. I'm not sure how or when they met. They moved in together right around the beginning of 2021, I believe. A marriage license obtained by the U.S. Sun reveals McFadden and guests legally wedded on May 26, 2022. Why would they even legally met marry? Heather said her sister never spoke or mentioned McFadden, court, hearing, or criminal history. They argued sometimes, as do every couple, but other than normal arguments, I had no indication of any troubles with any of them. Heather described her older sister as a loving mother who, whose kids were her world. Holly was sweet and funny, super creative, and super smart. She snorted like a pig when she laughed, which only made her laugh harder, Heather said. I think all women do that if they laugh hard enough. I'll tell you what, I always hear that when someone has their life taken, they say, wow, that person was really nice. And if you got to know them, I just mean they were just a really great person. They're not going to do that with me. <laughs> They're going to say, oh, Jerry, oh, he was an asshole. Man, that guy, he would be online all night talking about crime. Heather described her older sister as a loving mother whose kids were her world. Oh, Lord. All right. The grim discovery discovery came on Monday afternoon as the sheriff's office searched for the missing teens after they failed to contact their parents over the weekend. Brittany's parents said their daughter was staying over at the McFadden family home, but she knew something was wrong when the 16-year-old didn't call usual saturday chat it looks to me guys and from the pings on the wife's cell phone it looks like he took the children out first and i don't know when he took her out but i think he was alive you know up to 48 hours after i don't know what he was doing some of the time you know he placed some of the bodies in different places so At McFadden's house, authorities found the bodies of seven victims, including that of the convicted sex offender and Ivy and Brittany. Four additional bodies, including McFadden's wife, guest 35, and her three kids. 
Riley Elizabeth Allen, 17, Michael James Mayo, 15, and Tiffany Dorgas, 13, were also found. On Wednesday, Ocumley County Sheriff's officials revealed the convicted sex offender shot and killed all of his victims and then turned the gun on himself. Here's, here's a copy of the marriage certificate. Why would you legally marry somebody? I mean, couldn't they have just been... Um, couldn't they have just lived with each other? Why do they feel like they had to have a marriage license? I've got to wonder. Maybe something that she wanted. Because I know, would he have cared? I don't know. Questions I have. I'm trying to... There was a story, I'm trying to remember who it was. Holly got one of her friends to act like she was the victim for, you know, the crime that Jesse did that initially got him in there. And, like, they had an actor act like that they were the victim and that it was a misunderstanding and it wasn't a big deal to her ex-husband. You guys remember that story? So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Here's a Crystal Strong, his first victim, and she wants this information to go out, just like uh, one of the girl's fathers do, to make sure that sex offenders are more heavily watched. So that's why she's included in this report. That's what she wants, and I understand. All right. Check this out. I've got some inside information about spycraft i was in washington dc um at the time and uh i can't tell you what i was doing there but as i was there i took some ballroom dancing classes and as i was taking these ballroom dancing classes uh in a few different studios i found out that um for some reason all the teachers were uh, Russian. They were young Russians, you know, men mostly. And um, the instructors I'm talking about, they'd have like three instructor slash dance partners. So women who are into ballroom dancing uh, could go there. And while their husbands, the senators or whatnot, we're working. They would take these ballroom dance classes and oh, they didn't have a partner. Well, I happen to have this hot 20 year old dude, uh, skinny as hell, you know, wearing rented clothing. You can tell who's an expert. Well, upon investigation, we found out that these guys were Russian spies. All right. They were young Russian spies. Um, kind of standard issue off the rack spies from Russia is what they were. And they were covering just all kinds of places in Washington, DC. One of the places were the dance studios. So I did a little investigation on Bill Gates. It should probably be a video unto itself. And yet I'm gonna give you the goods right here. Oh, Billy boy. This is what ended his marriage. Flirty Bill Gates is seen being quizzed by giggly Russian bridge player Mila Antonova about the card game at a national tournament in Reno in an unearthed interview in 2012. 
when their affair took place. Let's see, when did I get this? The 22nd. Oh, it's pretty fresh. She already knew the answer, but Russian connoisseur Mila Antonova asked the question to one of the most recognizable and wealthy men in the world anyway. Who are you? She said from behind the camera at the National Bridge Tournament in Nevada. You see, her website was about bridge. It just happened to be what Bill Gates was into. And she happened to have the money to be in America for a bridge tournament here and she happened to be hot and she happened to talk to she was a russian spy this is a part of the story you're not getting all right here here she is and here he is dirty butts who are you Bill Gates. <laughs> why do you play bridge uh it's both fun and then you learn how to think you learn strategy uh there's great people who play bridge it's you know, always learning new things no matter how good you get. Would you uh, suggest new people who want to learn? Well, you can uh, get online and find people uh, that are going to make it easier to find instructors online. Uh, playing other bridge games like cards and spades helps a lot. You get a sense of the deck. Uh, ACBL.org has a learning to play bridge piece of software. So there's more and more ways. Uh, to find people in your community or just play online. Do you think a bridge helps you to, in, your, in your work? Well, I think it helps you think uh, in very concrete ways. I you know, played a lot of card games when I was young, uh, and I think that was super. And, I, you know, bridge is sort of the king of all card games. All right. Oh, no, no, no. We don't care about that. Yes, and here's a picture of uh, the lovely couple right here. Matter of fact, I'll give you some more. Russian bridge player slash spy interviewed Bill Gates for her website, bridgeunion.com, at the 2010 National Bridge Tournament in Reno, Nevada. By the way, she had a real little website. If you want to see another little website, go to midnightrad.io. That's mine. Gates would have been 54 at the time. And how old was she? Does it say? All right, we're going to tell you where this goes. I'm going to tell you where this goes. To a very dark place at the time she can be seen he can be seen answering questions with a flirty little smile in another youtube video from 2010 antonova discussed meeting bill gates that year and displayed a picture of the pair together gates was seen playing with young bridge players here he's in the bridge good for him i heard later that night they went to her place and played pinochle true story so here's the rest of the story the video made for her website shows Gates highly engaged, listening and smiling as she asks questions in her heavy Ru Russian accent. When Antonova asks how to play the game, Gates suggests people get online and find people. And you heard the rest. That seemingly innocent conversation now takes on greater significance since the revelation that the two had an affair and that shame pedophile Jeffrey Epstein tried to blackmail the one-time richest man in the world by revealing his details, although it doesn't talk about her being a spy, but I guarantee you she is, and I'll, you'll probably agree with me by the end of this story. They met previously. They had played the game in Washington, D.C. the previous year. D.C., you know, this is where Russian spies are funneled into. I don't know why then. I don't know why that. I just know it's true. I didn't beat him. I kicked him with my leg. She said later in a talk she gave about why people should play the card game. 
Whether they had embarked on their brief affair by the time of the interview is not known, but according to the Wall Street Journal, Epstein met Antonova three years later and paid her to go to coding school. So a Russian spy, you train her, you pay for her to go to coding school. He also somehow learned about the affair and later used that knowledge to threaten the Microsoft boss. Awesome. The claims were made in a blockbuster weekend report, which shed new light on the Gates' alleged infidelities during his 26-year marriage to Melinda French Gates. The two men had met several times in the early 2010s to discuss philanthropic ventures. Sure they did. When Gates declined to join one of the Epstein funds, the late pedo emailed him asking him to refund the cost of Antonova's schooling, even though he could easily have afforded it himself. Yeah, he was just a good man, right? Just philanthropic. The sum was immaterial for the two men, and the tone of the message was that Epstein knew about the affair and could expose it. It was more than just an affair. A spokesman for Gates insisted his dealings with Epstein were solely for uh, philanthropic purposes. Having failed repeatedly to draw Mr. Gates beyond these matters, Epstein tried unsuccessfully to leverage a past relationship to threaten Mr. Gates. Gates, now 67, learned bridge from his parents, and the card game became one of his favorite hobbies. In the time, uh, in a separate online talk from 2010, which is also online, uh, Antonova praised Gates as an avid, avid bridge player and talked about how big a fan of the game he was. She joked that when she told friends she was meeting Bill Gates two years before, nobody believed her. She said that bridge was a partnership and quoted the late actress Mae West. Bridge is like sex. If you don't have a good partner, you'd better have a good hand. During the time Epstein and Gates' friendship bloomed, and from 2011, the Microsoft founder met the pedo more than six times, including dinners at his New York townhouse. Yeah, there's a good picture of him right there. Anyway. Uh, so, Mila Antonova Wright is pictured attending a different bridge tournament in 2013, the same year she met with Epstein to discuss the funding of her venture, Bridge Planet. Where she's 39 now and she did not respond to requests for comment. Mm -hmm. All right. I found this next. I found this next article very interesting and I don't know why. And I don't have anything again, Tucker Carlson. I got this from the Garden Guardian, where I get a lot of my information from because I just love the newspapers and the journalism in England. I really do. But I found this funny. Whoa, and I did not knew this. As Tucker Carlson prepares to take a show to Twitter, Fox News, the network which fired the primetime opinion host last month, has dismantled the studio it built in a barn at his home in Maine. Well, that sucks. I'm glad nobody can come here and dismantle my studio. It's all paid for, thank God. Fox came in last week and got all their shit out of there, Daily Mail quoted Patrick Feeney who it said was managing work to rebuild the studio. They took the set and everything, all the equipment, the chairs, the desk, the fake walls, everything. 
They even took his fake mustache. On Wednesday, a source with knowledge of the situation told The Guardian, we removed the equipment which we own after building a custom studio at our expense. We did not tear down the studio. All right, I thought that was awesome. Car uh, Carlson was fired in the aftermath of a 7.7, uh, 787.5 million settlement. Okay. All right, I'll put a link to all this in the show notes if you guys are interested and want to read more. Uh, I got this other disturbing story right here. Colorado County father is being remembered as a loving man. Just days ago, a man was beaten to death in front of his own home. His family tells us it was retaliation for an incident that happened at one of his son's schools. WJZ live in Brooklyn Park right now. That's where this happened. Dennis Valera spoke with the victim's fiance. Dennis? Denise, she says they've been together for the last 15 years, engaged for the last eight. She says that the world really lost the light when Chris Wright died. Now, police are still looking for the suspects in this. They're described as three to four men, all in their 20s to 30s. Tracy Karapchinski and Chris Wright started off as co-workers, but their relationship soon turned into something more after he asked her a question. One Friday, the next Friday asked, uh, can we have a beer together after work? And I was like, well, if it's Friday, I guess. If I'm drinking a beer and you're drinking a beer, we'll have a beer together. And we've been together ever since. And drinking beers. They grew a family together and always talked about getting married. And Chris wanted a big, beautiful church wedding with everybody there. And I was the type of person like, well, we've never been to Vegas. We, I thought we had time. Their time cut short this past Friday. Police say officers found him severely beaten at Tracy and Chris's home around 5 p.m. He died at the hospital a day later. Tracy said it stemmed from a fight from her son's school, Brooklyn Park Middle School. The school district confirmed this happened, helping with the police investigation. Tevin Wright is the youngest. He says his dad really took care of them. She would usually be at work, and like he would be the one person to take care of us every week, like every weekday. I would get home, and I would see him, which would make me smile a lasting legacy of chris these flowers tracy says he had quite the green thumb but an even bigger one his heart he was a friend to everybody i mean just the outpour that we've been getting from friends and just they're really the story? really gonna miss out on somebody with a really big heart like he loves beyond like are you guys hearing all this? You getting it? Because of the, the way they're report, reporting, it makes it sound mundane. So he was beat to death outside of his own house, and it stemmed from a fight his child was having at the middle school. There are plans to have a vigil for Chris Wright later this week, but the details are still being finalized. Again, these suspects, they're described as three to four men, all in their 20s to 30s. If you know anything about this, please give police a call immediately. Well, they still don't know. They're still standing there with their ass in their hands. The police haven't arrested anybody. I got more information about this now, just so you know. Uh, they were described, the perpetrator as a three or four white men in their 20s and 30s. So it was a white-on-white -white crime. The beating was in retaliation for the school confrontation. Chris came out to tell them, like, he's not coming out here to fight. And they threatened at one point to come in and get him. And they said, if he's not going to fight, then you're going to fight. And they beat him to death. Can you believe this? So they beat him to death in his own front yard. All right, how would you feel... If this was story ended a little differently and he went out there with a gun 
Maybe they would have treated him with more respect than if he had a gun strapped to his side. Or what if he had a baseball bat to talk a little sense into him? Would that have ended differently? But is it but is it okay to not have any weapons and allow yourself to be beat to death by three or four men? This is interesting. How many people, how many lives are saved because people have guns? And another problem, oh, they called the police, but they didn't get there in time. Chris came out to tell them he's not coming out. According to 11 News, the incident was caught on security cameras that belonged to Riot. We saw the wife there, and she had the ring camera right behind her. Uh, the police said that officers responded to the assault at around 5 p.m. He was transported to an area trauma center for treatment of a life-threatening injury. Riot was hospitalized and died Saturday, May 20th at around 9.45 p.m. Police said the detectives from the department homicide unit are investigating the incident. This happened bum, 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 today at 11 a.m. So, all right, here's another story I'm going to share with you guys. Oh, this is actually a song. Well, let's, I mean, a audio clip. Let's check this out. This is from. America's most hated news network. Maybe some of you guys like them. Uh, surprising to some veterans survey, surprising to some veterans are less likely to support extremism. No shit. This is from the, the same news organization that's saying that every person who uh, is ex-military is a terrorist. This is from the same news agency that said that parents who are at school board meetings that disagree with the school board are, are terrorists. But now they're saying, oh, sur survey surprises some veterans are less likely to support extremism. How many people with extremist views have ties to the military? The National Guard may have missed the signs that a suspected leaker of highly classified intelligence information, Jack Teixeira, was stockpiling guns and posting on social media about mass killings. And the Pentagon last week acknowledged it has not implemented most of a plan to counter extremism in the ranks. Despite those kinds of headlines, there's better news about veterans, NPR's Quill Lawrence tells us, about a new nationwide survey that suggests that men and women who have left military service generally do not embrace extremism on the left or the right. Stories about veterans and extremism regularly make the news, like the recent guilty plea by a U.S. Marine for breaking into the Capitol on January 6th. I love how no one's able to talk about that except this uh these ass clowns from NPR, they can talk about uh, the Capitol riots all they want. I'm not allowed to talk to, about it here on YouTube. But I'm telling you, that shit's about to change, ladies and gentlemen. And now we're up to 11 following us on Rumble. Can we get more? We got, what, 53? We had, like, maybe a total of 80 watching tonight. There's Rumble. Uh, click it. Give us a follow there on Rumble where we can actually talk freely about things. All right, I'm not going to play any of the rest of this, but you might want to check it out. You might not. You can't say I did not come to this show prepared because if you look at my show notes for every show, there's like 20 or 30 freaking clips, uh, links to, to check on. Now, this is following up to another story we had. An autopsy cites negligent four man's death in a bed bug infested Georgia cell. All right. So uh, we did this story a couple weeks ago. And you can check it out. It's on our live videos, I believe. So you can check that out on our live section. And 
and uh, manage L die or convict dies of bed bugs by bed bugs. I'll read a little bit of this to you. A man who died in a bed bug infested cell in Georgia, jail psychiatric wing, died due to severe neglect, according to an independent autopsy revealed on Monday. I, lawyers for the family. LaShawn Thompson, 35, died in September, three months after he was booked in the Fulton County Jail in Atlanta. Public outrage over his death spread last month after a lawyer for the family released photos of Thompson's face and body covered in bed bugs. Mr. Thompson. Oh, and by the way, Colin Kaepernick paid for the autopsy. Mr. Thompson was uh, neglected to death, says the autopsy report. Um, the independent autopsy report lists the cause of death as complications due to severe neglect with untreated, decompensated schizophrenia. Wow. A combination of dehydration, rapid weight loss, and malnutrition complicated by untreated, decompensated schizophrenia led to a fatal cardiac arrhythmia report said because he did not receive necessary medical care or adequate food water and shelter his manner of death is homicide an earlier report from the fulton county medical medical examiner's office found no obvious sign of trauma on thompson's body but noted a severe bed bug infestation unless his cause of death is undetermined so he didn't die by bed bugs but he was severe to severely neglected and that is just a sign of his severe neglect the new autopsy confirms that this is one of the most deplorable in custody deaths in the history of america wow that was uh what ben crump the family's attorney civil rights attorney said the family's lawyers and advocates give credit to fulton county sheriff's pat labat who has publicly called thompson's death absolutely unconscionable labat who took the office in 2021 has long advocated for a new jail has said Thompson's death shows that the current jail cannot provide safe and humane detention. This happened in Atlanta, Georgia, guys, where they did some defunding of the police, unfortunately. So what are they going to do? Defund them more or less? Let's see. Defunding the police, does that equal neglect? Does that mean there's less officers, more inmates? Does that equal more neglect or does giving them more money and more staff to take care of the inmates and those that are incarcerated just in the jail does that mean that they're going to have better attention or are you just going to sue the ever-living hell out of them so they have even less money for the jails i don't know we're going to keep on looking at this and see where it goes i'm just asking questions Maybe someday we'll find answers. Hey, guys, I want to show this to you. I put this in our Discord, but I want to show this to everybody. And I don't know if you're a fan of, what, what's his name, Stephen Crowder or not. And, you know, I don't follow him myself. I'm not interested in his shtick that he does. But if you are, that's fine. But check this out. I saw this video. This is him and his wife talking after a day on the, the old radio, whatever it is he does. What do you think? I I find it. I found it very. First time I watched it, I was it shocked the crap out of me. And actually, I'd, I'd like to give a shout out to Grant for showing me this. And then I got the full video without commentary. So this is pregnant wife on the upper right hand side. Let me sure make sure I'm giving you guys a good photo. Let me uh, make it a little bigger for you. Boom. I don't need to be in this. So this is Steven's house. I'm just pretty damn nice. It's okay. A little bit extra. Even has his old dog there. So 
This is his pregnant wife. I treat my wife well. I treat her even better when she's pregnant. I was shocked that I'm seeing this go on. Uh, he reported after the time that this was completely, this is about from two years ago. He said that he was completely taken out of context with what he's saying here. And then later I thought, well, maybe that's the case. I'm going to play it. I want to know what you think. And I got another story after this before we head out. I drew a boundary. I drew a boundary. No, no, you just did, you just did it. I drew a boundary of abuse and cruel. You were not taking the car. Because if you refuse to do white food things, then I will go pick up the groceries. Steaks, wood pellets, my grill. I know it's not a reasonable request, but I'll go do it. How about you first? Hillary, how do you respect the man? Yes, other than that, other than that, you see the love of that. No, no, other than that, no, you're not taking the Stephen, You're not taking the car. Steven, you are not then taking I will ask someone to pick you up. Would you like me to ask? Is that correct? Is that correct, Stephen? Give an Uber. Okay, Stephen, I can't. Feeling some constraints? Stephen. Like, I can't Stephen. go. I, listen to me. Listen to me. You want to walk out right now? Listen to me. I can't go to the gym. I can't go to my parents. I can't call my friends. I can't go. I can't be home. You're going to take the car and leave me here. Hillary, just think of how boxing you've made me. What do you need me to pick up? I'll get it. I'll be back when I'm back. No, that doesn't work either. You'll be back when you're back. That doesn't work either. <laughs> I, I, Do you understand the difference between my life being set to the second and you going to be back on back? The only way out of it is discipline which It's the only way out of it or we're at an impact. We are going to get past. Good. Because you can't have any discipline which Yeah. Take, take 
course, it says, as the Crowder is head inside, Steve gets angry and anger, and by his own admission, screams, I will F you up, at his pregnant wife, Hillary, who then flees and uh, flees her home. She also divorced his ass. So some of this might be old news to you, but I wanted to play it uh, because I know there's a lot of people in our community that had had relationships with a man who, you know, with bad men, you know, and does this look like the tone and the kind of things that an abusive man says? Uh, let me see what some of the people here are saying. My question is, is why do they only have one car? Yeah, I mean, not having a modicum of humanity for her as a fellow human being. I had a Stephen, his name was Scott, and he spoke just like this. Stephen Crowder has no discipline and respect for himself, and he expects it from his wife. Some people don't understand that respect is earned. Is that a cigar? Does he think he's a scar-faced sick man? Thanks, Jerry. I appreciate you, but I have to turn this down too much. What? I think this is taken out of context. This footage is being used against Crowder in the divorce, and this looks bad, but it needs to be viewed in context, okay? And I did notice that there were two two or three edits in there, and uh, I think you might be right about that. I think it might be taken out of context or maybe something, I don't know. Certainly verbal abuse. No one should be judged by a two-minute clip taken out of context, but these fake conservative influencers are poison. We'll talk about dick bags. Let's talk about Bill Maher. All right, big Bill Maher's a dick bag on the air. I'm pretty sure he's a dick bag in his personal life. To me, yep, would make uh, it to pregnancy stage, that is for sure, yep. What? They're all Israel apologists refuse to acknowledge the Palestinian genocide. I don't see what that happened to do with this video. Could be easy. I'm a libertarian. I can't stand the fake conservatives. I'm a nothingtarian. Phone me. All right. I got one more thing here. Oh, this is a McFadden order. Uh, all right. So that I ran out of time for today's show, but I told you I would show you some cool things, I guess. I'm going to have a video about this. I want to show you what it is. This is called a dolphin, uh, dolphin zero is what it's called. And it's called a dolphin zero because it is made from a computer board called a raspberry Pi zero. And I've been following this since it was on Kickstarter. And with this, you can check your wireless networks in your house and hack in your own networks and see if someone's able to do it. Cause if you're able to do it with this in your own house, and I, I mean, regardless, if you have Wi-Fi security, then anybody off the street is able to do this, all right? And there's a multitude of different things you can do. One thing you can do with it, and I have antennas for it too, is you can make it look like a Wi-Fi, right? So you can go out in public. Not that you should do this, but I mean, to do this to make sure if someone's doing it to you, you can go make it look like Starbucks guest and people log on log into it and you get their windows log on idea different things like that you can test your system with this dolphin zero um i'm going to do videos and show you how those things work for your own system your own protection um just little things like that some some things i do is cool i share wi-fi with pizza joint vetoes 
All right. So th again, this is on a Raspberry Pi board and they used to be $5. They're now $40. And I have a whole sock drawer full of these things. And the reason why I do is because I was making something called a jerry rig. And this is what a jerry rig is. I'll show you. So I was involved in this in the year 2014, I think is when I built this. This is a handheld video game player. And I made it with a Raspberry Pi Zero. And I also, I don't know if you can see it, but it lights up. The buttons here light up and glow. And it plays any video game system known to man. And it's on the same kind of board as that with an internal LiPo battery. But I mean, this is not a video gaming channel or 3D printing, which this is. So I don't know if any of you guys are interested in that, but uh, so to give you a scale comparison, this has a little computer board in it right here. And this has the same board in here, although this doesn't use the Raspberry Pi Zero anymore. Uh, they basically made their own computer board. But I'm going to show you how to make sure. No, I didn't invent this. I um, See, this is booting up right now. Hold on. It takes about 60 seconds. I built it. So yeah, I'll show you, I'm gonna do videos just to show anybody that's generally interested. This before the switch came out. As it's booting out, it'll show you the screen. But uh, yeah, this'll show you what to do in your network. You can copy RFID on here. So if you have like a card for work, you can copy it and use this as a RFID. It does something called emulates it. Uh, you can change like a gas station, you know, sign and make it say, you know, free, free 99 or D's nuts or whatever. But I mean, I don't suggest you do that, but it's capable of intercepting Bluetooth and doing all different kinds of things. I'm going to show you how to use it, what to use it, why you'd want to use it. But basically I want to show you vulnerabilities in your own, in your own systems, right? So just to show you something real quick, I don't know, I'll pop a Game Boy Advance game on here, which I don't even know if it works. All right, Let's see if I left anything out. See, switch my grandchild, especially the eight-year-old little boy loves the art. So I started something on here to show you, but it's really hard. So you can see it playing. And I made this before. These lights, they glow pink when it boots up until it's finished booting, and then they go off. So there you go for what use that is. All right. I'd like to thank you for joining me tonight. I'm gonna keep that real low so it doesn't blur my voice up. I'm gonna be back soon with new information for you guys as soon as I can. This Thursday, we have some more information dropping about Cole Barger's parents being subpoenaed in, in um, Pennsylvania.
we're supposed to get more information about that. So we're going to talk about that. Um, let's see if there's anything new about McFadden. I'll tell you if not. Uh, let me go ahead, give you my rumble. We're trying to simultaneously broadcast on Rumble. We're facing kickback on YouTube. I'm just tired of dealing with it all the time. Um, I don't want to go into all of it, but yeah. We're not moving to Rumble, but we're going to broadcast on there. And if we get bigger on Rumble than we are on YouTube, because YouTube doesn't let our information get out, then we will switch to Rumble if we get better. If we get more people listening over there, we'll see. All right. Until next time, good night, God bless, and all my best. Thank you.